Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Welcome to the first live edition of the Fly With Us podcast. This podcast is bringing the art of conversation, self-love, self-care, mental health care and protection, life lessons, love lessons, and everything in between. Today is the first show that we kick off our hip-hop series. As you know, November is now National Hip-Hop History Awareness Month. So I brought a team of fellas with me to introduce you to this thing we love called hip-hop. Sir Pickett, hit us with that mindfulness minute. Word up. Uh, this mindfulness minute this week comes from a quote from headspace.com, which is a meditation website. Um, and it's a quote from different artists. It says, there's a great deal of BS that people think about when they make music. Things that don't matter, Rick Rubin says. Meditation kind of wipes away and you focus on the real job at hand. As opposed to thinking about what management wants, what the record company wants, or what somebody at the radio station might think. While there is a dusty notion that hip hop is all about cars, money, and clothes, and that still may ring true in certain acts, there's no denying that this genre has evolved. By unmasking both stigmas attached to mental health issues, stereotypes, and about meditation, the rap game is well set up for a healthier, happier road ahead for artists and fans alike. Um, with Uh-oh, you froze up, Picky. What happened? Me? Can you hear me? We can now. You froze for a second there. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, so here's the definition according to dictionary.com. A popular or big city teenage, a popular culture of big city teenagers that includes rap music, break dancing, and graffiti art. <laughs> wow, that was probably the lamest definition of hip hop I've ever heard. Right. So going to first, I would ask Manny Fresh, what is Manny? I mean, no, let me go first. First, first of all, who I pick. I'm going to go with the youngest first. Soup, what is hip hop to you? Um, hip hop to me is is a culture. Um, that is comprised of many things. Uh, some of that definition is, is correct, but um, not all of it. It definitely includes rap music uh, as, as well as other facets, uh, breakdancing, graffiti, um, things like that. But um, it's definitely a culture. Now, I wouldn't say big city culture. I would say it's the culture that drives uh, America at this point. Word. So it's many faces who has been deep, deep, deep into hip-hop for many, many, many years. What is hip-hop to you? Uh, I appreciate y'all having, by the way. Um, what up, everyone else? Uh, so hit, I, I started right off, Soup said culture. So that's it. You know, uh, hip-hop is a culture, uh, not a subculture, not a genre by itself, but a full-fledged global culture at this point. Obviously, it's Hip Hop History Month. We know where it started and how it began. And most of uh, the world, when they think of hip hop, they think of rap music, you know, the genre underneath the umbrella. Uh, but hip hop is that culture, uh, you know, a lifestyle, uh, a conglomeration of mentalities and 
ways of thinking and ways of seeing the world, the ways of putting yourself in the world, ways of reacting to the world. That's cultural. That's an ethos, you know? So, so to me, hip hop, obviously there's so many sub divisions and things that fall under that, that umbrella. Uh, but just like you would have any kind of ethnic, religious, uh, you know, cult, <laughs> you know, has a set of lifestyles and cultural uh, aspects to it. When you look up the, the definition, it may be incomplete. But if you look up the definition of culture, you'll see that it's sort of that, that, that lifestyle, that ethos, that way of thinking, that groupthink of a certain amount of people. And, and more importantly, not what the dictionaries or the establishments might call it, the participants themselves call it a culture. And so that, you know, definitively uh, is what it is. If you're a part of it and you look at it as a culture, uh, then that's what it is. That's what hip hop is at its core. Word up to my brother Cooley, the curator. What is hip hop to you? So I, I, some of y'all might remember, but there was a there was a compilation, a most deaf compilation, came out in like the early two thousands, and it, uh, the title of it was so deaf to me. It was called. It said, "We are hip hop. You, me, everybody." And I always just kind of held to that, man. I think that I think that hip hop existed before there was a name for it. You know what I mean? I think that a lot of the elements. You know what I mean? People were, people were rapping before hip hop existed. People were doing graffiti before hip hop existed. Uh, quote unquote, like, as, as, a, as a definition, you know what I mean. But I think that uh, um, you know, hip hop is just like a it's a it's a way of being. It's a state of being. If you meet somebody tomorrow that you never met before and they shake your hand a certain way, you can be like, oh, that's their hip hop. You know what I mean? Um, if they dress as if you meet a girl tomorrow, she dresses the same way, you can be like, oh, she's hip hop. You know what I mean? It, it's a uh, <clears throat> it's a uh, it's a very beautiful but very intangible thing. You know what I mean? And you just know it when you see it or you know it when you hear it. Word up, word up. Uh, for me, I would say concurred with all um thing that Manny Scoop and Cooley said. Um for me, um adding on to that has been a saving grace. I don't know where I would be without the culture. Um, I was born in 74 um, at the birth of hip hop receiving its name, conceived in 73, which is August 11th, um, is recognized as the, the, the starting modern day starting starting point, I would say, um, with the party at Cedar and Sedway. Um, so it has always been a part of my life. And, you know, um, we talked about when we did a live version at the festival, we talked about this before is that um, 85, I left the suburbs and moved to the projects, which is a culture shock in itself. But I was already going having hip hop, taking hip hop with me. Um, I've been involved in many of the elements um, and that age. I wasn't at that stage. I wasn't rapping yet. I was but I was definitely b-born. I was breakdancing with the cardboard like everybody else. 86, I started rapping and old school rapping with the chants. We had a joint called Milk Does the Body Good, like the commercial back in the day <laughs> with some beatboxing. Late 80s, I DJ, not like what turntablism is nowadays. You know, I'm basically just DJing at parties and school functions and stuff like that. Um, and then I think this thing that stayed the most was the MCing for me. 
Um, I also tagged. I, I wouldn't say I was a graffiti artist. I would just say I tagged. I I'm, don't have art skills like that, but I threw my name up as many places as I could. Um, so I dwelled into those four main elements. And, you know, we're all into hip hop, so we know that there are other elements that people have added since then, you know, um, street fashion, knowledge, beatboxing, but those four main elements of graffiti, b-boying, DJ and MCing have always stuck with me. So hip hop is, that saved me, especially like I said, leaving the suburbs, going into the projects and having to adjust. And you're talking about going into the projects during the crack era. I'm coming from not having to lock my door, walk around anytime, a day or night I want to, to seeing people getting stabbed up and shot and night of the living base heads on an everyday, all day basis. So I would go to my room and um, there was a uh, record store back in the day called Record and Tape Outlet. And it wasn't that far from where I lived at. And I didn't even know who these artists were. I would just thumb through like, you know, me and Cooley do now still digging to this day and just pick stuff basically based off the album art. And I would just go to my room, throw those records on. Um, CDs wasn't a thing yet. I did get some cassettes, but most of it was on vinyl then and just take me away from all that was outside the home. Um, so like I said, hip hop has been a, a saving grace for me. And I will always try to promote and educate on what real hip hop culture is and um, always continue to strive to make it better and not a detrimental thing to our community and a society as a whole. real all right so of course it's very cliche but i gotta ask the question and it doesn't matter who goes first when did you fall in love with hip-hop i'll jump and i'll answer quick uh first of all we about the same age picket so you know coming up at that parallel time you know and i grew up right outside of uh new york city on long island so six borough you know we were right outside of where everything was popping off but just like a half step behind um and, and coming up with it before we even knew uh as brother said like what to call it ourselves you know it was just like this this uh mash of of new sounds and new things um my origin story goes to being in Long Island, uh, being out in the New York City radio range. You could only hear rap on the radio Friday, Saturday nights from 10 p.m. to 2 a.m., right? Red Alert on KISS FM, Mr. Magic Molly Ball on WBLS. So, I mean, you had some, like, college stations, you know, that were on, like, Wednesday night at midnight. Uh, but that was when the, the the big dogs were on the radio. You would, you would get your cassette. You would get ready to record for the week because you're not going to hear rap on the radio that much, you know, during the, during the week. Uh, and that became sort of a ritual for, for young folks. You know, again, we're talking like the 80s when it was starting to really, you know, percolate. I would always go to my friend Craig's house. Craig, uh, we'd be in his basement uh, playing ColecoVision, doing all that, you know, stuff. Uh, Friday nights, man, and we'd be listening to the radio. And uh, it was around that time, sort of, my dad was a blues and jazz connoisseur. So I had a lot of background in music and, you know, music always playing the kind of the roots and some of the, the, the DNA of, of hip hop music. But we were young and we were rebellious and we were teenagers and we we're, you know, messing around. And, you know, the sounds of hip hop really kind of took to us being as gritty and, and, uh, uh, um, and new, just fresh, you know. And uh, it was my melody 
uh, Rakim was sort of the song that I, I once, once that, that year worm got in my head and, and just twisted me all about. And I'd already been obviously part of it a little bit. But once we start, once I had that, man, you know, that 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 something something about that that day changed the game for me personally. You know, I enjoyed I enjoyed what was happening. I enjoyed that camaraderie that that, uh, as you say, we can go somewhere anywhere in the world and know someone's hip hop right out. Of the, that started to formulate right around there. I had friends. I, I'm an only child. You know what I mean? And white dude growing up in a, you know, in a very diverse neighborhood. And I had people that, you know, we had that camaraderie and that fellowship, you know, over music and then over, you know, be banging on the table, doing the drums. And, the, you know, it was that time frame. It was that that um that atmosphere that I fell in love with hip hop. Word up. Yeah, for, for me, it was uh, uh, Fear of a Black Planet. That was that was the album that, that got his hooks in me. Um, I had, you know, I, like, I was real, real young, so I'd, uh, you know, I'd heard, like, MC Hammer and stuff like that, Vanilla Ice, and I liked that stuff. But um, I had a, you know, we grew up poor, so I had, everything I had was a hand-me-down from some cousin somewhere or whatever, so I ended up getting a bunk bed. Uh, from like my second cousin or something by marriage and in the bunk bed he had carved and he was an older kid You know, you always look up to the older kids when you're young So he had carved fear of a black planet in the bunk bed post And I was like, oh, I heard of that. I've seen that album like in magazines or whatever and um, But I was like, oh the older kid is listening to this. So that's I need to listen to that. I need to check that out so I got the tape and um and this everything for me changed from that point on just hearing the uh the, the samples and like how they were you know all the different sources they were pulling from and then chuck d's voice just booming um uh 91 as a joke was like my favorite song of all time for a really long time um i, I just i just the the whole way their crew was set up the way that they moved um they had like uh you know the s1w's it was like militant but also they have flavor flavor and they were having fun and it was just like all these uh, emotions that were in me as a as a young kid, you know, anger and wanting to have fun and wanting to party and but also wanting to like learn, uh, you know, it was just like a, the perfect package of all of that. And I just was like, oh, this is hip hop. Okay, cool. And then I never listened to Hammer or Vanilla Ice again after that. <laughs> um, for me, I guess it's a little different because I'm a little younger than you guys. So, rap music and hip hop music was always around. Um. But I guess the the moment or, or album that I like really solidified it for me was um, Southern Playlistic by Outkast. Um, I remember exactly where I was when I heard it and everything. Uh, shout out to Kenny Finley. Um, but after that moment, that's when I like, you know, really start you know, reading liner notes and memorizing songs and, and developing my own taste uh, of rap music. I had older cousins and um friends who would you know listen to all kind of stuff but um outcast for me because it was just so different than anything i'd ever heard and um after that i was stuck all right uh, um for me like i said um i would i would have to say the first song that i heard was not the usual that people my age usually people my age um it's always sugar hill gang was the first joint to her but in my mind, I think I heard the message before that. I mean, I might have heard Sugar Hill Gang before that, but it didn't stick to me like when I heard the message. Um, of course, of course, Sugar Hill Gang was released before the message, but when I heard the message, that's when it just like really, really opened me up. And I was like, yo, I could feel how powerful it was. And like I said, at that point, I wasn't rapping myself. I was 
really into b-boying um and i would love when that joint came on i would just get loose of course the other joints too like uh you know what i'm saying uh incredible bongo band everybody loves those breaks in that era for um be doing but the message it was like it was really talking to me i felt that and um that's when i was like yo i, I love this to death i would say what made me want to really become like that i thought that i was going to be a professional in hip-hop was a uh, fresh fresh tour i think that's what it's called with the fat boy salt and pepper utfo then the dang i saw them i think i was in seventh or i was in eighth grade and of course, we snuck back to the behind of Hair Arena, which was a big arena in Dayton at that time. And Buffy Buff was already on a bus, but we saw Cool Rock and Prince Marky D come out, and they both shook my hand. And I was like, "Yeah, this is what I wanted to be forever." That feeling, I just wanted that feeling to last just forever. What I like about everything, different age groups or different perspectives is that these were also touch points where we all we fell in love with hip hop. You know what I mean? Like when 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 Outkast came out, you know, that was like a reignition for it. It was like, oh, wow. And, and there were so many. Obviously, everyone has their own. Um, but throughout, you know, the whole history of our personal involvement when it, you know, when I saw these, uh, I, I remember these two guys did Lottie Dottie for a talent show at school and just, I mean, just crushed it, killed it. And it was like this is a, like this is so ah it's just everything. So I love that each of these things sort of like we wouldn't disagree. I I uh, I had a my first card I bought for myself was a, a black Riviera, a 1979 Buick Riviera, and it was black and it was black tinted and it had a black rag top and it it was a piece of junk. I didn't last me like a week. Um, but uh, I thought but it was fly. It was fly. I looked like you know it had like the, you play the horn. It was the Godfather theme. It was the most ridiculous thing in the world. Um, <laughs> but to the point on the side, you know, you could get that chrome on the side where people would write stuff. You know, you could like get writing on the side. And I was going to put Fear of a Black Riviera on the side of my Rivi. Uh, so that's what I'm saying. Like, each one of these things, like, we all have little touch points. Uh, again, the car sees the engine sees in a week. So, you know, there went that. Uh, sorry, Grandma, and your inheritance money. But anyway, yeah. Yeah, that's to, to that same point. Uh, when Pickett was talking about hearing the message for the first time, so he obviously heard the message before I ever heard it. But when I when I went back to the message from the, my starting point, I fell in love with hip hop again. I was like, "This is crazy! Like this is like, you know, everything I loved about Public Enemy, but it happened like years before." Like, so yeah, it's 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 uh, you get a chance to just like, you know, we might all fall in love with it again tomorrow. You know what I'm saying? We might fall in love with it again in this conversation. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah, that's real dope, and I agree. Um, I'm glad Many Faces brought that up because I, you know, um, for those that don't know, Soup is my little cousin. Um, so check out his Mad Player podcast and Hip Hop Says America podcast. I forgot to mention at the beginning of the show, but um, when he mentioned Outcast, um, I had the opportunity to open up for Outcast on that first album um, at Memorial Hall here in Dayton, Ohio, and um, and just having that opportunity. Like you said, that was re-falling in love with it when I heard that album. It was incredible. And I know that uh, for those that, you know, he's kind of so-called counsel now, Russell Simmons, he talked about that in his book that at first he didn't, he couldn't get outcast. He couldn't, he couldn't get it. But I instantly got it, even though it was different. And like I said, it was a re-falling in love. And I think that we have those situations every few years. Um, when I first hooked up with Cooley, 
I was kind of like really disappointed with hip hop and where it was at and, and the, I guess what you would say, the mainstream of it. And it, it's funny now because like they kept telling me about Kendrick, Kendrick. I'm like, oh, okay, okay. But then when I heard bitch don't kill my vibe, it's like, oh, I, I get it. I get it. And then I went back and listened to the, the previous joints. Like, I don't know how I didn't get it before. And it's like, okay, I understand now. Um, and I think that happens too, is that sometimes we don't get things right away. Um, and, and that's what it makes it great too to refall in love with it again. So does that mean you're gonna pull out your old MC Hammer tapes and refall in love with that? See, I never fell in love with Hammer. So <laughs> <laughs> you have to leave that to Cooley because I remember. No, I, well, okay, I'll say this. I like, I like. Don't get it started. I like that joint, but the rest of the stuff I I, I couldn't get into it. You know, you could do now that well, I find myself doing now, though, like I wasn't I guess we all kind of like, you know, can't touch this. You know, what I mean, like it was a it was a it was a moment that everyone was kind of like it was there. And it was like, all right, you know, I, I wasn't out there, you know, dancing in a spot. But, you know, but we can also now look back and say, all right, you know, that maybe wasn't our thing. But he had a big movement. He had a big fan base, like his impact on the genre. Like we can look back now a little bit more, you know, analytically or whatever and be like, mm -hmm. Again, even if even if uh, some you know someone's music, you might not like Bone Thugs and Harmony for I don't know why you wouldn't, but you know some people don't. But their impact and and what they did and how so we can look back at at folks like Hammer now and still kind of look at it as that was important. He, he was important, you know, whether we you know dressed in the Hammer pants, you know, or not. You know what I mean? So that's something you know I do like now, like looking back at things I didn't get then, like you said, didn't get it. I didn't get it then. I wasn't from the Bay Area, you know what I mean? Like Outcast was tough for New York cats to kind of, you know, like we didn't. It's a whole different. I live in Atlanta now. I'm just so even now I'm like, oh, this is Atlanta. Okay, this is it's different, you know. And so, uh, but we can look back now and just recognize that those regional differences were important to the genre. Uh, the the impact on each other, you know, each different region kind of influencing the other. And Hammer was a part of that, you know, a lot of folks like that. So. Yeah, and like they say, it ain't where you're from, it's where you're at. So it's not how you got into it necessarily as much as it is. I mean, like, you know, Hammer, Young MC, all that was my introduction, like, technically. You know, that's when I first heard it. But, you know, uh, it, I can't knock them, though, because if it wasn't for them, I wouldn't be knee-deep in it like I am now. You know, it wouldn't have changed my life like it did. You know what I mean? Your, ga your gateway drug. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> MC Hammer is always interesting to me because I was so young when he came out. But I also had people like Pickett who was exposing me to different things. So for me, MC Hammer showed me very early on that there's there's subgenres within hip hop. So you have this stuff that, you know, plays on the radio and you can dance and get the party started. But then you also have stuff where you're not going to hear it on the radio. And you probably aren't going to listen to it either in your car or in your house. So, I mean, like I said, I was little. So I was out there trying to get my Chinese typewriter on and all that stuff. But. You know, as I got a little older, I mean, I always appreciated Hammer, but you know, when I look back at it now, it's like, eh, it's a little cringeworthy. Yeah, yeah. I, I like, the, uh, you know, that Manny Faces brought that up, you know, rethinking about it. Because, like I said, I wasn't really into it then, but I I was into um going to clubs in the late 80s, early 90s. I went to the club Friday, 
Saturday and Sunday night. Even though I was still in high school in the late 80s, early 90s, every Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, we went to the club. That, you know, and, and most guys, the guys that wasn't right, rhyming and dancing, they was there with you to get on the girls. Not that we didn't want to get on the girls, but we had this thing like we want to battle anybody in dancing when we go. That's why we went out every Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And of course, that's going to get you the girls too. But my point is that they played a lot of joints that you wouldn't play at home. You know, the Tone Lokes, the Young MCs which I, I didn't get into, and like, those weren't albums that I were buying, you know, but of course they're going to play it because they're dance clubs and they had those dance songs. So I think, you know, looking back at it, back at it now, like Manny Faces said, that no, it wasn't something I was into, but I get it. I get it. It pushed the clubs. It pushed the clubs, you know, because the girls want something that they can dance to. They aren't there to battle. They just want to, you know, shake some breasts and butt and, you know, and holler, woo! <laughs> uh, so I mean, I'm glad you mentioned that. I didn't even think about that. Let me follow. Like like E40, I could not. I can't. I just. I still can't. You know what I mean, but I can't now discount his audience and his. You know, his impact. There's a lot of people. You know what I mean. So I have to. And this is important. I think as we get older, you know, in hip hop, but still connected to it. And we might talk about this later. We might not get into it now. Maybe I know you're doing a whole series about you know looking at the younger generation. And not always, you know, we're very quick uh, a lot of times to discount what people are doing because we don't vibe with it. But look back at what I'm saying about E-40. It's his impact, you know, can't be denied. You know, his his catalog can't be denied. The way that people feel about him from that region that have come up with him, that can't be denied. Just because I don't click with it doesn't mean that I should discount it. I should find the value in it. And I think that happens with older people, younger people, and 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 being jaded by what we may see as being the, the face of hip-hop music and culture out there and then you know kind of curmudgeonly getting back and be like yeah that's not the hip-hop i know and i don't uh, I, I want more because we know that it exists we know that it's out there we're talking about it we're connoisseurs and purveyors of it so we know that it exists and it, i think it's that whole mentality of let's not just uh dismiss something because we don't because it's not our it's not our vibe you know and i think that's important as as we talk about hip hop history, but as I like to talk about hip hop future, you know, so. Oh, definitely, definitely. And I know Cooley wants to jump in right there, but I would just want to quickly on your point that you said that um, as far as when it comes to generational things and Cooley is, that's that's my teacher when it comes to that. Cause he used to talk about old heads and not getting modern day music. And, um, and I was one of those people. Um, but one thing he posted not too long ago, maybe a month or two ago, where he talked about instead of talking about so much the things that you don't like, how about talking about the things that you do like? Um, so I, I, definitely that's something that we need to do more. But I'll let Cooley jump in because he's itching to get in right now. <laughs> uh, E40, I just want to say E40 is the greatest rapper of all time. And that's all. I knew that was coming. <laughs> E40 is a factual goat. I could mathematically break it down for you in another conversation. But yeah, he's a great <laughs> I respect that. <laughs> okay, so for me, um, I fell I fell in love with hip hop um a little bit way late because my my parents were business owners and we went to church every Sunday and on Sunday it was you know Anita Baker and you know old school seventies music while we cleaned the house after we went to church so. 
I didn't really get introduced to hip hop probably until about middle school, like the early nineties or so. And because I didn't come into it the way that you guys came into it, I fell in love with the whack rappers, um, the quote unquote, um, people that you wouldn't tell people that you listen to, um, like MC Hammer, Tone Loke, Young MC, they were safe rappers that I could listen to around my mom or my grandma who, you know, my grandma cuss like a sailor, you know, home on leave, but you better not cuss in front of her. And so music with a lot of cuss words, she would always be like, oh, that's Nick, Nick, that's what you're listening to. And she was like appalled by it. So I, I found myself leaning toward more of those safer rappers. Um, and it wasn't until, uh, let me see. I liked No Limit. And all of them, you know, and of course, it came along no later. Limit. Don't say you like, you love No Limit. <laughs> Leave me alone. <laughs> hey, it's nothing wrong with loving No Limit. Right. When 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 Pickett and I met, I actually had the No Limit chain with the tank. Uh, I had the, the chain and the, the, the emblem. I had the T-shirts. I had all the tapes. You couldn't tell me nothing. When I got my first car, the first song I banged was Ice Cream Man. And I thought I was that deal, you know, riding down Gettysburg and nobody else is vibing but me. <laughs> and you maybe my three no soldier then. Right? Yes! <laughs> <laughs> yes. Like, me and X was like my big sister. The um the first gift that Pickett ever gave me was a hip-hop mixtape. And it was double-sided, and it had all of these groups I had never heard of. And I, and I no actually thought it was... Yeah, there like, was I no, no was limit crazy. on the whole tape, I can assure you that. wasn't a single no. tank on the tape. <laughs> no, there was there was most deaf, there was Talib Kweli, there was Brand Nubian, there was uh UMCs, there was like these these people, and I was like, these are rappers. Are you pranking me? Like, are you for real? And it was like my introduction <laughs> to to hip hop for real. So I came by it very very late, and you know, and now I'm a full head. And and as a teacher. When my students are bringing music to me that they listen to, I'm trying not to be the picket in their lives to go, that is whack. <laughs> Let me give you something real. But that's really where I'm at with a lot of it. And when, when I tell the kids that I don't listen to the stuff that they listen to, and they're like, well, why not? And I'm like, well, because my husband is a rapper and he don't play those games and all his friends are rappers and they make sure that I stay away from the whackness. And they'd be like, wow, you can't even listen to what you want. I'm like, but I don't, I don't want to listen to that. You know, like, it's it's quite awful. So with that, when did music switch? And now you guys are all huge heads. And none of you, I'm sure, listen to the radio. So the stuff that my students listen to that they play for me, that I'm cringing while I'm listening, but I'm listening just so I have a frame of reference. When did it switch from what you love? to what it is now that when you hear it, you just go, what is this? Well, for me, it's always been that way. I mean, like I said, I'm a lot younger than you guys. So what they play on the radio isn't ever what I listen to, like in my car, in my house or anything like that. So um, I can't even tell you the last time I put on the radio radio and listen to it. Um, for me, I don't think there ever has been a switch. I mean, obviously, with hip hop becoming bigger and more global, um, but I mean, I remember in college, like 
Yeah, my cousin, my other cousin has has this joke, and he always says, "If Soup didn't know you, he didn't listen to your music." And um, so that that's what I've always been on. But for me, it's always been that way. You have commercial hip hop here, and you have real hip hop or whatever you enjoy over here. I think also there's been a lot of stories that you hear about, like even Too Short said, like, you know, uh, you know, Too Short used to make conscious music, you know, alongside what you would make consider not conscious music. But, um, you know, there's stories that he'll tell about how the label was like, uh, OK, you got to stop making money in the ghetto. You got to start making, you know, more of the whistle, you know what I mean, or whatever. So obviously there's there is an agenda. And I don't want to discount that because that's, that's factual. Um, but. It's also it's it's curious to me when people say when did it switch because it's like it switches all the time you know what I mean T today uh, Pickett's gonna come over we're gonna record and while we're recording we might fuck with a sound that we never heard before and it might switch a little bit right then and there for us you know what I mean um, you might uh, you know Manny might be getting ready for a DJ set and then he finds something that's you know maybe not uh, maybe people wouldn't expect him to play but it goes well with whatever he's about to he was planning on playing anyway it might switch a little for him then you know so it, it, it it, it's always switching. Um, I, obviously, like the agenda may shine a light on certain stuff that um, that they want to um, practice population control or whatever the dumbing down of the people with. But it, uh, some of that stuff, it's not like it just. It's not like those 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 dudes or those ladies are sitting in the studio like let's make something that's just gonna like fuck everybody up. You know what I mean? Like it, they're making something that's jamming to them, and then somebody's maybe using that. Um, to a to an evil end or whatever but um it's always switching it's always gonna keep switching and and uh you know it's i gotta fight it too because i mean i'm 38 i'm not like you know i'm not like picket old you know what i'm saying but I'm, I'm getting up there and uh uh you know so i have to fight it too i gotta fight it but um so i work in a record store now and i've been working at a record store for some years and what i kind of have that's kind of helped me kind of turn down the bitterness because you know, if I see somebody come in and they buy a, a young thug record, you know, and they're like excited as fuck to get that record. And I can tell that it, it, that does something to them. Like it makes them feel like how uh, what I love makes me feel. Um, you know, it's like it's hard. to, You know, when you see that genuine love for the artist from somebody, it's hard to judge. It's hard. It, it gets harder to judge because it's like, you know, shit, I want you to have a good time, too. You know what I mean? And if you don't have a good time listening to uh, Nas like I do, you know. I, that, I, I don't want you to have to force yourself to listen to, you know, something that you're not really going to uh, maybe understand in the moment yet, or you're not, you know, to that point yet in your life or whatever, like just enjoy, man. It, it's, it's going to keep switching. There's always going to be stuff we don't like. Uh, again, there is an agenda with some of it and, you know, I'm not signing that, but you know, uh, it's like uh, sometimes like, we think too deep about it. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. Um, I, th I think for me, there was a switch. Um, I can't pinpoint an exact date or time or anything, but I think not necessarily a switch. I would say that something was um, taken away. You always had things like I talked about Young Missy and Hammer earlier and your NWA. But like, let's take, for example, like Rap City. Um, you would see NWA, but then you would see Tribe as the next video. You would see Hammer. But then you would see, you know, what I'm saying something um, that's more on a hip hop third base, um, the next video. 
And there was some point in time where we stopped having a, a mixture of a variety of what's being played, at least in the mainstream. Um, and, I, and I think that's one of the things that made me kind of like bitter towards hip hop and to Cooley. And, you know, he got me through that is, you know, like I said, he posted not too long ago. Instead of talking about what you don't like, talk about what you do like. And I think that that's that's the goal now. And, and most important is like uh, if you like that, go ahead and like it. But I'm going to make sure that I post and make sure that I talk about, you know, Griselda and and Kendrick's got a new joint coming out and, and uh, Q-Tip might be whenever I see things like that. Um, this person has that I like is doing something. I'm going to make sure that I post I'm going to share it. If it's so, you know, even if it's like a work buddy or something like that, hey, have you heard this? You know, and I think that's what's important. Um, so, like I said, I can't pinpoint a switch, but I think that's what, for me, what it was that something got deleted. Hmm. You know, and and that balance is what got deleted. Uh, I got a lot to say about a lot of this, so I'll be as brief as possible because I I could talk. And by the way, I'm picking old too. Damn it. <laughs> a few things happened over a decent amount of time. It, I think if you had to say what really changed, it was the uh, decline in sampling, right? Uh, in music making and the increase of technology to be able to distribute and create music sort of as a bedroom producer. Um, I think once you stop sampling and, you know, ringtone rap started becoming a thing, uh, strip club music, which was less, complex let's say you know musically and lyrically than what we had been used to in previous generations as being sort of on the forefront even with like you know radio rap you know in the 90s with you know with with mob deep or you know biggie and Pac and things like that there's lyricism still was there but that transition to i think the end of sampling when you couldn't use samples as much couldn't afford to you know clear samples the lawsuits had, had really kind of pushed down and people were starting to be able to make music at home um didn't mean it was good uh and, and again that that ringtone rap that sort of simplistic sound that was great in a strip club where you didn't have to be lyrically intense because no one wants to listen to immortal technique in the strip club um that just opened the door for a lot of people to make music that was again more simplistic i'm not denigrating it i'm trying not to do that because you know there's there was some value to it all um but but the technology became easier and easier to get. You had Fruity Loops on your computer. You could actually make songs. You could make albums. And then you didn't have to have a label. You could, you know, or you could do what Soldier Boy did where he dropped it into LimeWire, right? The peer-to-peer -peer sharing system and fooled everyone by naming some song, you know, his song, somebody else's song. Everyone downloaded. Everyone got, like, those little technological things opened up a lot of uh, opportunity for people who didn't necessarily take the craft as seriously or hadn't been doing it for many, 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 many years, you could literally come out and do a song, you know, for fun and Bobby Schmurder it. You're the, you're the biggest star tomorrow, literally overnight because of technology. So I think technology did a lot to make all that happen. I want to say just like two quick things. Number one, I want anyone listening and y'all will agree with me. I hope uh, that, Today, now, right now, is probably the, not probably, to me, def definitively, the most progressive time for hip-hop music, for rap music, by far. By far. Ever. Definitely. Right? Definitely. 
So we all talk about, you know, what's on the radio. And I love your point, bro, that you said, like, I, I, I listen to the radio. I hear the songs and stuff. I know what they are, but that's not really what I listen to, listen to. Now, my daughter's 22 years old. And, you know, I pay, you know, she listens, she knows the songs on the radio, but she's listening to Rod Wave, right? Who's not on the radio, you know what I mean? But is really popular among younger people, certain, you know, demographic, you know, certain areas and sounds. So I'm already learning that even what people now who don't like what's on the radio, the people that listen to the radio don't even like what's on the radio. You know what I mean? Like they listen to the radio, but that's not where they're going because they have in the palm of their hand every song that, that ever. And there's artists making music with their home, you know, setups now. And it's getting more complex again. See how it is? It's getting more complex with the home studios now. So now you're getting really innovative people doing really innovative work. Now. I agree with the agenda to a, to an, it's a longer conversation, but I know what you're saying and I agree. And that's a problem, but it doesn't stop the fact that if whatever you want from hip hop, whatever you want exists, I promise you. And if anyone listening doesn't agree, I think we all have the receipts. We could all sit down with you and show you, Oh, check out. And then lastly, the point that you make it pick it about saying, and this is what I'm doing now. I'm saying what I like. I'm saying what exists. And I could say Napoleon the Legend, Kemba, you know, Rhapsody, you know, blah, blah, Genesis B, uh, Griselda. Like they, we could we could run names for an hour. And one of the biggest problems that older folks in hip hop do, especially some with a platform. And I'm talking about like the Quest Loves and the Pete Rocks of the world. They will come out on this tip that we're talking about saying everything's horrible and it's, you know, rap is done, done. And I'm going back to my CDs and the hell with everything. And what you're doing by doing that, especially if you have a platform, is you're smacking in the face the 19 and the 20 and the 21-year-olds like Kemba, who's a little older now, but whatever, making music that older folks will be able to appreciate. Mm -hmm. I like I like what um, Earth Gang is doing. You know what I mean? I like what Tiara Wack was doing. You know what I mean? Like there's some stuff out there that's kind of fly, but they're on the radio. So if you're just saying, oh, I'm turning on the radio or my I'm driving my kid to school and so we play, you know, Hot 97 or whatever, wherever you, you know, whatever station, and you don't like what you hear, okay. I bet you there's 19 and 20 year olds that are making music that you'll like. You gotta just be able to know where they where, where they are. And and we don't have the disposable time to be able to find them on our own. And there's no no good hip hop journalism that's gonna point you in the right direction. That doesn't exist. <laughs> um, but but the, it's out there, and we do have Spotify, and you can fine-tune your preferences and and get what you like. And discover some new stuff, and I promise you it exists. So, again, I I could talk forever on on these little topics, but I hope that that was valuable. Uh, real real quick, um, I like something you said that it's out there, and um, I have a couple of friends who are always like, "Oh, there's no good music," and I'm like, "Well, you're just not looking for it." And I think there's some people, for lack of a better term, I'll call them lazy consumers. So they're going to take whatever they hear on the radio or. If a friend tells them, oh, you should check out such and such. But then you have people like the people in this podcast that are used to digging, used to uh, just going to a random show just to hear what is out there and stuff. So people like us, we do know there's a bunch of stuff available out there. So uh, it, it's just a, a different mindset. Like you said, um, switch your preferences on Spotify or Apple Music or whatever. But there's plenty, plenty of good new hip-hop music out there you just have to look for it but if you're not used to doing that you're not going to find it i agree 100 totally 100 and uh and we talked about spotify and radio just real quick um 
there are internet radio stations that you can get. Shout out to bonfireradio.com. Speak shout, out, shout out to Southern Vanguard Radio that you can get. Um, uh, I don't have the right word. A collective alternative to what the radio gives you. Um, and it, like many faces said, you have your phone at your disposal. Um, you have computers at your home. You have um, computers at work. Everybody has a computer in their pocket now. And like uh, Soup said, they're lazy consumers. And especially when it comes to me, Cooley, Manny Face, we come from an era where you had to go dig anyway. And to this day, I think that we all still love doing it. I know I do. I don't have the money to do that anymore. <laughs> but, but well, I'm still digging right now. Look at these 45s. I'm still digging. I pulled my old records out the thing. I'm still digging to this day. You know? I, I, I still love it. Hey, hey Cooley's behind Cooley. You see this? We got to have a battle. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so definitely it's um lazy consumer. I, I love that, that term you said. That, that's that's exactly what the thing is because I see so many people, especially in my age group, that there's no good music. Hip-hop is dead. Like, no, it's still out there. You just got to do what we did when we were kids. You have to go find it because a lot of dope hip-hop wasn't on the radio back in the 80s and right. even in the 90s. You that's still right. have to go to a record store and get it. And mix a lot tapes. of people you listen to mixtapes. Yeah, you mixtapes. Yeah. Um, and you would have to buy a lot of those albums without knowing what they even sound like. So yeah, yeah. You do, I'm glad you brought that up because, like, uh, you know, you I've heard that argument my whole life. You know what I mean? Since the early '90s, I've heard everything is everything new is trash, and it's like okay. And I had patience for that conversation for a long time, and I'm, that's why I'm glad I met Pickett when I did because he's he's been saying that I kind of helped him get over that. Now, if you if I'd have met Pickett tomorrow and he had he was on that shit that he was on, you know, 11, 12 years ago when we first linked up, I wouldn't even entertain the conversation because now I'm where Manny's at with it. It's like, man, this is the most diverse time. This is the I mean, there's not you there's not enough time. I dig I, my job is to dig. I get paid to dig, and I still don't have enough time to dig up all the dope shit that's coming out. So, like now, when people make that argument, it's just like, man. So why are you listening to the radio if you hate the radio so much? Why the fuck is it always on? Like, you know what right. I mean? You know, plug your phone in, put some headphones in, do something. You know what I'm saying? Change it up. Like, I, I think it's I, if the thing about hip hop is you have to have that uh, that uh, oh god, what's uh, responsibility, right? Lovers of hip hop. People that came up in the in the culture. If you are of the culture, if if you consider it to be your your culture, just like your you know you ride for your you know your ethnicity or you ride for your neighborhood or you ride for your family, if it's your culture, you have a responsibility to ride for it. And if the the end of your ride is well, it's no good music anymore. I'm done. Then you then then I gotta question your loyalty to the culture. Mm. To be fair, like you're not really you're not helping because somebody's listening to you and agreeing with. You. I hate it with a passion because again, these you'll see. I don't want to keep calling them out, but you know, like uh, I've seen like uh, Pete Rock do this, where you know he had that thing with Young Dolph a few years ago, and he like just you know defecates all over some young artist. Okay, cool. There are twenty eight trillion nine hundred forty eight thousand twelve responses of people saying, "Bird ain't no good hip hop." Bird, yeah, that's right. You tell him, preach, said it. I'm like, all he had to do with his platform, and this goes for anybody with a platform, if it's four people to four million, is say, 
I think this is garbage. But here's a young cat that I do like and name drop him. So you got to do. Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you do that? And then the argument to that is, well, they don't know who they are because, you know, the, the OGs and the pioneers are kind of in their ivory tower. Okay, then maybe you shouldn't be saying anything because I think you're just you're harming the culture by giving the impression that there's no good music being made today. You're damaging the culture that you claim to love. And that's, a, you know, I don't know. That's a problem to me. There's no way to live your life just like in general to me. You know what I'm saying? Like to just be mad about everything new that comes out is no way to live. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't know. Uh, you know, I, <laughs> I don't know. I couldn't live like that, man. I'm, I'm, I would rather search for something I love than, than why about what's been spoon fed to me that I don't like. I, I don't like how, you know, how they make sneakers now. They're too complicated. There's too many things happen on sneakers. I just, it's too many things. I just want, give me my old white on white Adidas and I'm good. But you don't hear me walking around in 20-year-old sneakers. <laughs> like, I'm going to find the ones I like. It's, There's it's a sneaker weird. conspiracy, and they're <laughs> trying to keep us down with all this extra stuff. <laughs> I'm, I'm done preaching. That's it. <laughs> so, Lady Bounce, you got one more. We got time for about one or two more questions here. Okay, so... I mean, you guys are pretty much cover everything, but there's something because it's a it's a panel of men. I have to ask this question when it comes to females in rap, which we have a whole nother show in our series about women in hip hop. But I got to ask, how do you feel about the over sexualization that the female rappers have now? Is that something that has always been there and we just didn't notice it? Or is this new with the strippers turned rappers? Uh, I'll, I'll go first on that. I don't think that it's all just, you know, I don't think that it's always been there, but once it got here, it has been the predominant when it comes to female MCs. I, I would like for us, which we'll talk about it later in the series, that we stop saying that, period. Let's stop saying female MCs. Let's just say MCs, period. MCs, thank you for but, saying that. Yeah, but, but since we're saying it right now, I'll say that once it got here, it became, because you had before. Mm, little Kim, maybe. Like I said, my timing may be a little bit off. It wasn't super sexualized for women as artists, as first emceeing. And you had female emcees. You had Moni Love. You had Latifah. You had Lynn Q. You had Shantae Roxanne. Uh, Roxanne Shantae. You had the real Roxanne. Um, and, and, and to that point, I think the real Roxanne might have been the most sexual, but it wasn't pornographic sexual is more like uh uh fur coat sexy uh <laughs> i don't know what you want to call it but it, it wasn't uh squat down and, and get your pop on or whatever you want to call it now um so i think once it did become this big exp uh, exploitation uh when you get to little kim era then you had them coming out the woodworks the chats and and so on and so on and so far but we still today have uh, female, female MCs that can just rock bars. Uh, we, me and Cooley had a chance to see uh, Lyric Jones a few years ago, and that was the first time I even heard of her. And before we went, I started looking at her stuff and, and she's, you know, she still has the kind of a sex appeal, but that's not the, the main ingredient in her artistry. Her main ingredient is that she can spit um, and we have Shea Noir, we have Rod Digger, we have Rhapsody. 
Um, and I think that's enough to say that we need to stop saying female MCs because they, they could beat most of these dudes in a battle that, that everybody loves. These guys that are supposed to be so great, they will probably destroy in a battle. Uh, I, I would chime in with this. Um, so uh, I think what we have to, anytime we have this over-sexualization of uh, topic come up, we have to think, so uh, the gate was closed to females a lot of the time. You know what I mean? Like the, uh, it's a male-dominated culture, right? So we weren't really letting uh, all that many females even speak, to, to be honest, for a long, long time, right? It would be, you know, somebody, a Kuma Tifa would get in here and, uh, you know what I mean? Like, it's certain people that were able to 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 break through the seat the glass ceiling, but um, so I have a lot of female friends. Most of the people I hang out with are females, and you know some of them their idea of a good time is to sit at home and read a book uh, and have a nice quiet night, and some of their idea of a good time is they just want to go catch a dick on Friday night. And so it's it's there's a lot of females are diverse people. You know what I'm saying? There's gonna be like it, 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 the more females that get in uh, to the to the Part of the culture where people are, are they have a platform and people are paying attention to them uh the more you're gonna see more you know sex and you're gonna see more knowledge and you're gonna see more love and you're gonna you know like it's there are complex people you know what i'm saying like uh it's not really over like the 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 sex sells obviously right so like that's what you that's that's uh that's the kind of like the easier entry point maybe um but that's real too. That's part of them. Too. That's part of me. I, you know what I mean? Like I like sex also. So it's like I don't, I don't see it as as um, I don't see it as much of an agenda or as like a a bad thing even. You know what I mean? Like wh what's wrong with sex? You know I don't know. I I'll say I answer over sexualization in hip hop the same way I answer. Uh, homophobia in hip hop. This is America. America is over sexualized. We've always been on that tip, and America is homophobic. <laughs> like, you know, because we're based in have certain uh, foundations, religion, or whatever you want to call it, that lead you down that way of thinking. So I I I often get a little again, my job is sort of protect the reputation of hip hop, right? And say, well, I mean, yeah, sure, there's homophobia in hip-hop. There's homophobia in communities from whence hip-hop comes. Uh, but that's not, it didn't start with hip-hop. It does. It's not a hip-hop problem. It's a people problem. And we can take it back a step. Over-sexualization the same way. Uh, it happens because we live in that kind of society. Movies are that way. Commercials are that way. Uh, country music is that way. Like, there's a, everything is over-sexualized in America. Now, we happen to use it in hip-hop to great commercial success, look at you know luke and them uh you know and then big you know freak nick and you know all these things that happened that you know were lucrative and then the whole strip club economy which uh i think added to the idea of over sexualization hip-hop because you had strip clubs that would hire the djs from the radio to break to spin at the club to break the songs that the strippers would dance to and all that money and then you pay the radio for the advertisement to go to the strip club and it's this cycle of money that you know had hip hop in the mid at its core, um, and became a you know obviously a a, a large lucrative money making thing. What I do want to say is it's still too much because the problem of looking at women as sexual objects is a foundationally terrible thing, 
and it needs to be tamped down across all boards, not just hip hop, but in hip hop too. But I will say this, you will look at the stripper turn rap, you'll look at the Migs and the and the Cardis, and you will say, here's something that we didn't see in the Lil' Kim uh, or the other, you know, names that are typically thrown around when you talk about, you know, women that use sex to, to, to make it big in the rap industry. They probably, I don't know, I'm not in their business like that, but I hope and I get the idea that they're more in control of their business and their brand than women were in the past in hip hop, right? They're not being controlled by, you know, they're not coming in. You know, the whole thing about women MCs in, in hip hop is that you always had to come in through somebody else. You always had to come in through a crew. Eve had to come in through Rough Riders. Kim had to come through Biggie and them. You know, there was always a, a, a you had to come in, you know, through dudes. And I see that women aren't, don't necessarily aren't restricted to that anymore. Now, there's a Rhapsody out there in the world. There's a Cardi B, two different styles. Again, all spectrum of women MCs or MCs that happen to be women to your point earlier that they, they exist I can find humorous you know MCs I can find uh uh what's it a no name who has a uh uh an abolitionist bookstore you know what I mean like the whole spectrum of MCs that happen to be women exist um if there's going to be over sexualization I would love women to be controlling their own brand and their own image and their own body and how it's portrayed to the world if they want to rock as sex pots cool as long as they sign in all the checks and it's all going to them if they want to you know what i mean if it's somebody else kind of pulling them strings because they think that that's what we still need in hip-hop to sell then that's a trend i'd like to see uh tamped down just like i'd like to see it across all of society uh because it does lead to over sexualization of women and violence against women and girls and then that trickles into other areas like you know police violence against you know or state violence against women and girls particularly black women and girls or women of girls of color uh so it all has ramifications down the social spectrum uh but you know yeah i think i said it all <laughs> i gotta agree with the ogs i mean you guys hit the nails on the head i mean it for me it all boils down to money and uh like manny just said if if meg and cardi are in control of it and they're okay with it who am i to say oh you shouldn't be doing that so i mean yeah good job guys <laughs> said everything i was gonna say or a, a lot of times too it's, like, it's i hear this argument from men you know what i'm not really here i don't hear a lot of female journalists uh, pop journalists complaining about this you know what i mean so it's just like well why? like why is it that a woman has to be a certain way in your mind bro like what what what, what happened to you what, what you know what i'm saying how are you raised where like a woman can only be this one way you know what i'm saying and they're not supposed to be sexy or they're not supposed to, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know why you wanted to put clothes on so bad, bro. I got to ask that. That's, that's every time I hear this argument, it's always like a dude that's bringing it up. And it's like, man, what? <laughs> you know what I'm well, well, I will say that the, the, the prominent women that I hear that do have that argument against it are uh, women um, trying to stop like sex trafficking and women that have been abused. And I think that, uh, a lot of times we don't hear about that in the media as much, but I think that the women, that, like like you said, I usually hear that argument from men, but I think the women um, that do argue against it, and that's the reason that they do argue against it. Um, before we get out of here, I just want to thank everybody for coming along. Uh, Man Manny Faces, Hip Hop Can Save America, Soup, Mad Player Podcast, Cooley, the curator, incredible MC, DJ, and producer, make sure you check Cooley the Curator's page because he is like gigging and in the pocket right now. Um, of course, 
Fallen Manny Faces, um, Hip Hop Can't Save America, and that's something that I do believe and I talk about all the time. Um, and the Mad Player Podcast, make sure you check them out. But before we do get out of here, let's get into my favorite part of the show. Doom, 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 doom. Brain science, 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 science. All right, let me switch this view right quick. All right, so we're talking about music and the music's effect on its brain. Research has shown that listening to music can reduce anxiety, blood pressure, and pain, as well as improve your sleep quality, your mood, your mental alertness, and your memory. Everyday brain boost from music. The power of music isn't just limited to um, helping you wake up in the morning, helping you, you know, be happy, be sad. It cre- it jumpstarts your creativity. So here's a way to do that, which we all kind of talked about. Listen to what your kids or grandkids are listening to. Experts suggest that often we continue to listen to the same songs or the genre of music that we did during our teens and our 20s. And we generally avoid hearing anything that's not from that era. New music challenges the brain in a way that old music doesn't. It might not feel pleasurable at first, but that unfamiliarity forces the brain to struggle to understand the new sound. Music can also help you recall memories from long ago. Reach for familiar music sometimes, especially if it stems from the same time period that you are trying to recall. Listening to the Beatles might bring you back to that first moment you saw your spouse for the first time. Listen to your body. Pay attention to how your body reacts to different forms of music and pick the kind that works for you. What helps one person concentrate might be distracting to someone else. And what helps one person unwind might make another person jumpy. So if you want to form up your firm up your body, head to the gym. If you want to exercise your brain, listen to music. There are a few things that stimulate the brain the way music does. If you want to keep your brain engaged throughout the aging process, listening to or playing music is a great tool. It provides a total brain workout. And to add to this fun fact, Singing is the only activity you can do that uses both sides of your brain at the same time. Word up. I just learned something new. I didn't know that. I would start yeah, I singing. I was, I was gonna start singing, but I don't think y'all want that. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think it's true. I think this is true because of that. People who stutter who have like a stuttering problem, if they don't stutter when they sing, because it, right. it just comes a different way. So yeah. Brain is brain is dope. Word up, fellas! Hey, man, I like that hoodie, man. I need to you. Get, I need to find out where I can get one of them hoodies, man. I like that hoodie. Oh, that's his brand. Yeah, that's yeah. You okay. get this at the uh, uh, go to hip hop. Uh, I don't hip hop advocacy dot org, and we got a shot yeah. there. Yeah, thank Hold you. Up, man. Yeah, I got to get one of them hoodies too. So starting with Manny, tell them where people can get in touch with you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, so. Uh, a thousand places, uh, but the best thing to do is uh, hiphopcansaveamerica.com. It takes you to where the podcast exists. Uh, there's a larger site there, which is the Center for Hip Hop Advocacy. It's sort of a, a nonprofit that exists to do what we're talking about now, kind of pr- promote uh, hip hop's ability to uplift humanity and improve society. But the podcast is the flagship. It's called Hip Hop Can Save America, hiphopcansaveamerica.com, and mannyfaces.com to find out some of the other things uh, that um, that I do. The, the podcast, interestingly enough, with brain science is we, I've, I have a, had a great episode with Dr. Elliot Gann, who talks about music's effect on he's a psychologist or a 
uh, he does a bunch of he does beat therapeutic beat making sessions with young people all across the world just brilliant intersections of hip-hop and how it can save america we talk about that as like intersecting in these areas so uh, a lot of ways that sci uh science music uh i have um uh school psychologists that use music again we don't want to push our young people out by saying your, your music is garbage don't bring that in my classroom it's more like why do you listen to that music and how can we connect with that understanding even though i don't might have to like what you listen to so anyway a lot of that stuff is on the podcast i, I welcome you to find me uh and i'm all over the place many faces thank you cool uh, you know, I'm everywhere like air, but uh, you could really find me uh, uh, at Cooley the Curator on Instagram. That's the, the platform I guess I use the most. Um, I'm uh, I'm at if you're in the Dayton area, you can come see me at Omega Music. That's like my little baby that I've kind of like helped blossom in the last uh, six or seven years. Um, you can come dig for some music with me. We can chop music up all day long. Um, I DJ at the Barrel House uh, downtown Dayton. Um, on third street once a month for every first friday we call it funky friday um it's all funk and uh it's, it's funk that you know is funk and it's funk that you maybe didn't know is funk because it came out recently but it's all funk and we funking it. and of course wherever pickets at you won't see me so you know wherever lady bounces at i'm right there with her so let's go so uh soup soprano six on instagram as well as matt player podcast on ig um, we have a Twitter, but I'm gonna be honest, I'm not in charge of it. So uh that's podcast player on Twitter. Um, real quick, I gotta send a shout out to my man Cooley. He did a mad player mix for us, and uh we still getting numbers off of it. So if you need a DJ, that's the guy to go to. Hey, that was fun too, because I learned about a lot of that. That I wasn't I was y'all gave me the facts and I didn't know about some of them, and now it's like my shit. That's what's up, man. What's up, man? <laughs> I just want to say real quick, y'all mentioned Instagrams. I will say I'm Manny Faces Official on Instagram. There's another Manny Faces. Nice guy, just not me. So Manny Faces Official. <laughs> Word up. And you can find us wherever you find your favorite podcast. You can also get at us on social media like Facebook, IG, Twitter. And we're also now on TikTok. We are to fly with us podcast on all formats. Once again, fellas, thank you, thank you, thank you for coming through doing this. Um, if you want to do more part of the series, you can sign up. There's still a lot of slots open and um, the continuing the series. Um, you can go to our Facebook page and see what those other topics are going to be if you want to get on them. I'm your boy, Picket Fence. And I'm your girl, Lady Bounce. We out of here. Peace. Peace.